Thanks for tuning in. I'm Shelby. I'm Renee. And you're listening to The Creepy Burrito. Welcome back, you beefy burrito, to our very first episode. Hell yeah! Written by you, for you, to you. Before we get started, we got two sweet-ass reviews. Our first review is from Forever Pegs. She gave us a five-star rating and said, Best intro tune ever. Dude, not trying to... To toot my own horn here, but uh, our theme song slaps. It slaps. Slaps. Sick-ass beats. Yeah. So good. It's very good. You we, are correct. We agree with you, and thank you, Forever Pegs. And our second review is from Yvette1986. She said, love, 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 you burritas. Ugh. Twelve heart emojis. Twelve? Hearts. To the 12th power. Oh, she loves us. She must really love us. Aw, we love you too, Yvette. We give 1986. you... 1986? We give you 13 hearts. And three burritos. And three burritos. <laughs> Two tacos. Ooh. Three, hell yes. And one skull. One skull. Yes. That seems like the appropriate... Amount of emojis. Amount of emojis. <laughs> Be like Yvette and also Forever Pegs and write us some sweet-ass reviews. We love them. Share the love. Share the sauce. Let's set the tone. Gather around the bonfire, you spicy little burritos, as we engorge ourselves with your creepy tales. Our first story is entitled Babies, Hot Chocolate, and a Creepy Man. Which, you lost me at babies, you had me at hot chocolate. And you also had me at a creepy man. (laughs) That's what reeled you in. Yes. (laughs) So when I was younger, we lived in this pretty old house in the city. I don't know exactly when it was built, but that it had that old Victorian look to it. I don't remember much. I was young when we lived in the house. We moved out when I was about four or five, but I remember the house gave me the creeps. I was also very afraid to go to sleep at night. Every night before bed, my dad would have to come and tuck me in. I would also make him line up my stuffed animals on the edge of my bed. My bed was against the wall, so I slept between the wall and a barrier of my stuffed animals. But I'm not sure what the stuffed animals were protecting me from. I shared a room with my brother, who was only a few years older than me, but I was still afraid to go to sleep. I remember that almost every night I would wake up, Our bedrooms and bathroom were on the second floor, and our kitchen, living room, and dining room are on the first. I remembered that I would wake up, but my brother wouldn't, but I would be too scared to be in the room, so I would get up out of bed and walk to the stairs. I could hear my parents watching TV, and I could see the glow of the TV in the darkness. I knew I couldn't go down there because they would send me back to bed, so instead I would just sit at the top of the stairs listening to them so I didn't feel like I was alone. Eventually, one of them would come upstairs to either use the bathroom or go to bed and catch me and send me back to my room. 
I also remember when we would leave the house and come back at night, the attic light would be on. We would pull up to the house, which would be completely dark, but the windows to the attic would be illuminated. Us kids weren't allowed in the attic, and my parents hardly went up there, so there was no reason why it would be on. But probably the scariest encounters inside the house are the ones my mother had. Years later after moving out, she would tell us some of the things that had happened. She said that during random times, day or night, she would smell hot chocolate, like freshly made hot chocolate. She could be in different parts of the house, different times of the day, and smell it as if it were right there. Then came the crying. At night, when everyone was asleep, she would hear crying, like a young child crying. With me and my siblings being so young, she would get up and rush our rooms to make sure that we were okay, but we would all be asleep. She said this would happen up to a few times a week. Then finally one day, she was coming down the stairs when she saw a man. Gray hair, gray beard, and a red flannel jacket. He was just walking up the stairs towards her. He didn't look at her, didn't acknowledge her presence, just walked up the stairs, walked right past her, and disappeared. My mom said she didn't feel scared or afraid when she looked at him, so she didn't feel threatened. Eventually, we moved when my parents found a house in the country that was in a better school district. I believe they rented the house because shortly after we moved out, my mom's friend moved in. Shortly after she moved in, she called my mom and asked her if she ever smelt hot chocolate while living in the house. My mom told her yeah, and that she'd also hear a child crying that was not us. Shortly after that, my mom's friend moved out herself. I think she only lived in the house for about two to three months. After we moved into our new house, I never had any problems sleeping again. My dad would still tuck me in, but I didn't need an army of stuffed animals to make a barrier of protection anymore. I didn't wake up at night and sneak out of bed. I slept peacefully through the night. Me and my siblings are grown now, moved away with our own families. My parents ended up selling their house in the country and moved back into the city, which ironically enough, the house they moved into is on the same street that the creepy house is on. I know what you're thinking. It must be weird to pass the creepy house I grew up in to go to my parents' new house. And you're right, but it's even creepier because the house burnt down and is now just an empty lot. I don't know much about why it burnt down. I know that it was probably something rational, like old faulty wiring or something like that, but it definitely seems a lot creepier when you know what weird things have happened inside of the house. Ooh. Ooh. I do 10 out of 10 dig the hot chocolate thing though. I mean, there's worse things you could smell. Yeah, <laughs> like burning flesh. Like or sulfur when there's a demon sulfur. around. Sulfur. <laughs> Cool story, bro. <laughs> I'm not Scatty. that bad of a haunting. Creepy. No. Creepy. Creepy. Kind of, but it's weird that it caught on fire. Yeah. Maybe someone overcooked that hot chocolate. Mm, hot chocolate burnt the house down. Sure did. I think that's a country song. They left it on the <laughs> <laughs> They left it on the stovetop too long. Our next creepy tale comes from Erica. She said, As we all know, this year has been pretty shitty. Well, what happened to me just added to all of the craziness. My house is surrounded by woods. One night, my brother and I went outside on the front porch. I shined on my phone light into the darkness, and I saw two red eyes staring back at me. It looked like it was pretty tall, but I couldn't see what it was. Naturally, I was scared, so I tried to run back into the house, tumbling over my brother. Mm. 
After I saw those eyes glaring back at me that night, we kept going out other nights to see if we would see it again or get a better glimpse of what was lurking in the woods behind our house. We went back night after night, but we didn't see anything. We gave up after a while, but one night, I went out by myself and shined the light back into the darkness, scanning the woods, and I did catch a glimpse of something that was reflecting, so I went to investigate further. I watched someone or something kneel down to try and hide behind the weeds to get out of the light. Whatever it was wasn't trying to run away, so I yelled at it to get out of here. I ran into the house with chills all over my body, almost crying, while I told my brother what I saw. Then I ran upstairs to go get my boyfriend to tell him what had happened and make him go outside and look for himself, but unfortunately we had never seen anything again. I'm not sure if it was an animal, is this Bigfoot, or is it just a creepy person? Nonetheless, it freaked me out. I may never find out what it was, but I will keep looking and also bring someone with me so maybe someone will believe me if it ever shows up again. You never know what could be lurking around in the woods at night. Well, that's terrifying, Erica. It's Mothman. Mothman. He came out vacationing from Tennessee. (laughs) Maybe go out there with uh, with some pepper spray. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A taser. Yeah. Because if it is just a crazy person lurking outside, people are very scary. More yeah. scary than monsters sometimes. Yeah. Yikes. Be safe. Be safe. The burrito loves you. Be safe. Eat a burrito. Be safe. <laughs> Load up with burritos. <laughs> Have you tried feeding it burritos? Leave a burrito in a trap. <gasps> Catch it. Smart. Yeah. Everyone loves burritos. Even creepy things. Mm -hmm. Love burritos. So our next story comes from an anonymous listener who says, One time I was home alone, and I was super depressed and considering ending my life. And I looked up out of my doorway, and there was this large, white figure standing there. And at first, I was fucking terrified. But then, I just felt super calm, like everything was okay. And it just went away after that. It was probably like five seconds, but it felt forever. Also, another time, me and my friend went to a cemetery, and we put tarot cards on the roof of the car. But we barely even entered the site before I seen this huge white owl in a tree right above the graves, and it just stared at us. We were so freaked out, we left, and then googled meanings of white owls, and we found a few different ones, but one of them was death, and I didn't know it at the time, but my uncle actually OD'd that night and died. When I found out, I immediately called my friend and was freaking out like fucking crazy. And the owl never even flew away. It literally just stared at us. I've never seen an owl in real life before, but this fucker was huge and scary. Like, I don't know if I think owls are cute anymore. (laughs) Also, I don't know if you've ever seen The Fourth Kind. It's about aliens. But that pretty much already ruined owls for me. So this is just the icing on the cake. That is fucking crazy. Dude, I have seen the fourth kind, and that is terrifying. It is terrifying. And especially with the big white light two thing. Mm, that all goes together with the fourth kind. Mm-hmm. Super scary vibes. Yeah. I'm so sorry about your family member, though. Yeah. Yikes. That really sucks, but... I do definitely believe in stuff that has, like, those deeper meanings. I think so, too. I think that... Or, like, signs. I, I'm definitely right. a signs person. Same. Not the movie. Not not the movie, not like tinfoil hat, like freaking out inside my house. No, but like, (laughs) 
in regards to there's different signs in the universe. Agreed. And a uh, big white owl staring you down, definitely 10 out of 10. Especially since... Scared the piss out of me. Every owl that I've seen around here, well, I mean, I guess we don't know where they're at, but every owl that I've seen has always been like a brown owl. And not a big fluffy white owl. Uh, yeah. Like you see in Harry Potter because I always Hedwig. wanted one. Maybe it was just Hedwig coming for you. <gasps> you're and a fucking wizard. Anonymous yes. person. <laughs> you're you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> Our next creepy tale is from Sandy. It was a normal Thursday afternoon. I came home from work, took care of my dogs and my cat. I lived alone at the time, so these tasks were more like taking care of my family. I love my pets as I would children if I had any. Thankfully, I do not, so my home was always neat and clean. I always took the time to meticulously clean every room, and I grew thoroughly to enjoy these seemingly mundane chores. That Thursday afternoon, I had a workout planned at home, so I went up to change on my workout clothes and wash the day for my face and hands. Then I proceeded down to my living room and began my hour-long workout. After this, I make myself some dinner, then go back upstairs to shower. I go into the bathroom, turn on the shower, turn back around to see in the vanity mirror. I stop and stare at the mirror, unable to comprehend what I'm seeing. I'm partly frozen and want to get closer to investigate. As I said, I live alone. My home is meticulously cleaned and maintained. However, there is a very large handprint on my mirror much, much larger than my hand. This hand had been wet when it was placed on the mirror. The runoff of the unknown, still unidentified liquid had traveled down the vanity mirror into the wooden frame. Whoever did this wanted to be sure that I saw it and had no doubts that I was not alone. I stood here staring at this print for what seemed like an hour before I slowly moved down toward it and I tried to wipe it from the surface of the mirror. This is when I realized that this was not water. I had to scrub this off repeatedly before the mirror was actually clean. I took a few minutes to regroup and collect my thoughts, and I had cautiously proceeded with my evening. I went to bed at my normal time, somewhat more exhausted following the events of the night. That night, I did have a dream. At least I want to believe it was a dream. I'm convincing myself that it was, but the evidence is pointing otherwise. I sleep with the TV on. I usually fall asleep to MASH. The tone of the show is low. No canned audience laughter, something I really despise. Plus, I really like my peeps at the 4077. Hmm. It is about 3 a.m. I wake up for some reason and the soft warm glow of the antics in Korea in the 1950s. Then something else catches my eye. There is someone in the doorway. There is some fucking one standing in the doorway to my bedroom. Oh my god. I occasionally sleep with glasses on and luckily that night I had them on. My little Persian Jada was, as usual, curled up beside me in her peaceful slumber as I had fallen asleep earlier. Now, however, we are both awake. I was sitting up in the bed, staring at this figure in the doorway. His clothing was ripped, and he looked dirty. Jada saw him too. She was sitting up, staring at the figure as well. Her breathing had changed to more of a puffing, something I had never seen her do before. I felt my courage somewhere deep within, and I said loudly, what the fuck are you doing here? Hell yeah. Get out. Hell yeah, Sandy. But it stayed there, Ooh. staring at me. Again, I said, get 
The fuck? Out. This time, it started to speak to me in a language I did not recognize. Wowza. That's even more terrifying. Yikes. This thing was not human. I could almost see through it as it started to levitate, reaching back to my Catholic upbringing. I realized that my only way to safety to get through this night was asking for help from God. I started to loudly and forcefully say the Lord's Prayer, and I shouted this thing, In Jesus' name, I command you to leave. You are not welcome here. Get out. I don't know how long this went on. It seemed like the entire night, but I'm sure that it wasn't. As this thing was starting to leave or dissipate or whatever it did, it knocked down some jewelry I had sitting on the dresser onto the floor. I shouted once more, get the hell out. And it was gone. I don't know what time it was, but I was too afraid to get out of the bed right then. I laid there for the rest of the night holding onto little Jada and we both drifted off to sleep again. My alarm went off at the normal time to get ready for work. I remembered that dream and kind of chuckled to myself as I got ready to begin my day. I walked across the room to the bathroom and stepped on something. It was the jewelry that I had placed on the dresser the night before. Oh, that just gave me chills. Do not like that. Oh, God. And I hope you never saw it again, Sandy. I sure hope so. That is terrifying. I hope that it got the fuck out forever. Our next story comes from Allie. When I was younger, I'd say about six... I had an imaginary friend named Max. I don't remember how he appeared to me, or even how I got his name. I remember he wore a sweater with blue jeans, and I only ever saw him when I stayed at my grandma's house. Unlike any sort of imaginary friend that goes everywhere with you, I never saw him anywhere else. I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's growing up while my mom worked. It was definitely my second home. I remember making a place at the dinner table for him, We would look for rocks around the outside of her house or just play indoors. I can remember playing hide and seek together and just sitting alone in the closet. But the weirdest thing about Max is that he never actually spoke to me. And as I grew older, he faded away, but I never forgot him. And just a few short years later when I was 11, I got a baby brother that my dad and stepmom named Max, which was crazy to me because I never told anyone my imaginary friend's name. I never thought this story was really worth telling until I casually told some friends and they were convinced that the whole time Max was actually a ghost at my grandmother's home. I'm still not sure, but I'll leave that up for you to decide. Allie, that's a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Allie, that is a ghost. Imaginary friends, they do go everywhere with you. And I feel like they would say words. That's weird. Yeah. That's weird that the imaginary friend only lived at her grandmother's house. It's the not talking part that terrifies me. Yeah, just, that's a little weird, too. You're just sitting alone in a closet. Ugh, not talking. Maybe Max was just a really great listener. <laughs> he just was a very great listener. Our next creepy tale comes from Corey. He said, hi, creepy burritos. Hi, Corey. Hi, Corey. <laughs> I wanted to tell you a tale of when I worked and lived at a funeral home. Ooh. Working at a funeral home, but also living at one, Corey, you bad bitch. (laughs) But anyways, I digress. One day, we received a call about the death of a middle-aged gentleman. It was a sudden death, and the family did not take it well. They went in to visit the body, and as I was sitting at the front desk, I suddenly heard a bone-chilling scream. It was the brother of the deceased. Later, that afternoon, I was upstairs in the living room, waiting for the next round of visitation. 
I drifted to sleep. I had a horrid dream. I suddenly felt a deep cold, and it was in a dark room. A black outline in the shape of a man greeted me in the room, and suddenly I could not breathe. I felt a dark presence surrounding me, and I could feel myself suffocating. I somehow knew that this was the spirit of the deceased, and he was not happy. In my dream, right before I passed out from the lack of oxygen, I yelled no as loud as I can and forced whatever will I had. I awoke suddenly, gasping for air as I looked around the room. I decided to try my luck at talking to the spirit. I stated that I meant him no harm and that I was trying my best to get his family through this hard time, that it was horrible that he died suddenly but needed to move on. I thankfully never felt anything else the rest of the week that the body was there. Hmm. Yikes. Yikes. Big time yikes. I would not want to live in a funeral home. Nope. That's just everyone being stuck. I'm terrified. No thanks. No thanks. You're a braver soul than I am, Corey. Way to go, Corey. <laughs> Next up, we have a story named Psionic Big Brained Beaver. Mmm, Big Brained Beaver. Which is the most interesting title I've ever heard to a story. <laughs> Okay, go ahead, you big brain beaver. So, background. I was about five or eight, somewhere near Hamilton, Ontario, in some church basement, attending a beavers meeting, perhaps called a dam, I don't remember. (laughs) Yes, they're called beavers. Beaver Scouts is the equivalent of Cub Scouts to the U.S. Attempts at Canadian patriotism come off relatively wonky. A contest was held by the Canadian Broadcast Corporation in an attempt to solidify the Canadian identity and find the country's equivalent to the phrase of as American as apple pie. The winning entry was as Canadian as possible under the circumstances. We're just out here. Anyway, some background on the meetings. (laughs) At the start of the meetings, the beaver colony sits on the ground in a big circle. I'd estimate there were around 20 to 30 of us petite beeves. Little beavers. One by one, we would crawl to the center, slap the floor with our palms, you know, like a beaver, and yell our name, presumably as a primitive way to satiate the old beaver god's thirst for displays of power, ensuring our civil engineering projects will be protected, or perhaps as a way to keep children interested in roll call and introduce them to ritualistic ceremony. Of the 20 to 30 beavers... I can only remember one. Enter Mackenzie. Mackenzie turns heads. He has a disproportionately large dome piece. (laughs) I tried Googling what it might have been, but I couldn't find anything that quite fit his unfortunate neck-up rotund visage or its accompanying behavior. His head wasn't quite Hey Arnold size, (laughs) but comparable. Less sharper ends of a football. More so the prolate spheroid of a rugby ball. And it wasn't as though he was a fat beaver or anything. His head was just big boned. Due to this massive melon, Mackenzie would swing his head down to his left shoulder, then back to his right shoulder, then back repeatedly and constantly, with intervals around one and a half seconds, perpetually grinding his cervicothoracic junction into a fine white bone pepper. (laughs) For a group of patient beavers, this kid was incredibly distracting. Other than the upstairs (laughs) mix-up, he was a kind of normal kid, 
up until this particular meeting. We had all been on some beaver outings to campgrounds where you learn that air mattresses sucked in the 90s. Shitting in a cabin means getting over a fear of spiders <laughs> and lots of kids super don't want to be there. I'd had some time around him before. You got over the swaying. Although I do remember thinking he looked hilarious while running. <laughs> Never a straight line. Poor fucking kid. <laughs> God. So the next section is titled The Beaver Tale. A typical meeting, musty church basement, chairs and tables, pushed or piled to one end of the room, big beavers in their kits waiting for the meeting to start, the overall busy sound of adult chatter, and kids being way too loud about who knows what. The designated time is reached, a beaver leader announces we are to proceed. A circle begins to form. After a few moments of shuffling, a full circumference of dark tan pleather and shining pins takes its place in the void of the basement. On the opposite end of the circle from where I'm sitting, there he is. I remembered not so much noticing the head movement, but the necessary gap between him and his seated neighbors, exposing the dingy off-white tile floor, a break in the line of pleather vests. Silence takes the room. The lead beave says, we'll start slapping with you, pointing to a boy beave about two ground seats to my left. I'm not sure why, but roll calls have always made me extremely nervous. Knowing that my turn to slap is coming fast, after just two crawls time, my adrenaline glands start pumping out that sweet viscous tar, making my stomach flutter and heart gear up for action. I crawl to the center, the judging eyes from the encompassment, so pervasive. I raise my arm, slightly shaking, and bring it down to meet the dingy floor. Slap. I say my name. I know it was weaker than I had intended. The adrenaline made my Lorax tense up. I crawl in reverse back to my spot. It's over. But my heart still races. I begin to disassociate while the adrenaline is still pumping. I don't hear or see the next beaver approach, the distinct slap from the center of the floor, nor his name. All I can focus on is the most interesting beaver in the room, Mackenzie. His magnificent melon <laughs> is in full tilt, back and forth, back and forth, staring at me like a deranged Chimera Cobra Tarsier. While my periphery begins to disappear, I can feel his focus strengthen somehow. As I'm staring back, I start to know truths that only he can know. The pendulous swaying has somehow captured me into a trance, and my brain and his engorged beach ball have now been linked. He begins to crawl to the center, staring at me. It takes far too long. I know something's off. My vision seems to have thrown away my periphery and give me a third-person view on top of my forward sight. He finally breaks eye contact to look at the ground, head still pivoting side to side, despite being dropped down, judging intently where to position his imminent strike and bellow his name proudly. Slap. Time froze. I felt the words quietly creep out of my throat as they simultaneously resounded thunderously through his lungs. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> my perception returns with the added tinge of bewilderment from these last few moments. It's quiet. Not a single kid laughs. No adults say anything. After a few more tilts in place, he does an about face on his knees and crawls back to his spot, head moving back and forth. 
his swagger akin to Pumbaa during Hakuna Matata. <laughs> He's not looking at me anymore. My vision is free, and I'm able to survey the scene. Everything is back to normal, objectively. The remaining quadrant of Beaver Boys make their way through. I hear all of their slaps and names. The rest of the meeting is uneventful. I go home without speaking to him or any other soul about the incident. His next section. Big head, projected thoughts. How did I know he was going to yell the name of the most famous cartoon detective Great Dane in history? Did I imagine it all? Why did no one else care? Was his brain so large due to psychic energy he possessed in his tiny boy beaver frame? Did I will the words to him through some sort of chaotic manifestation? Were there other forces at work here? Does he know why kids love the taste of Cinnamon Toast Crunch? Is his head now proportionate to his body? That's it. That's it. That, that was very descriptive. That beaver tail slaps. Well, that was a damn good story. <laughs> Moving on to Jenna's paranormal encounters. Her story starts off when I still lived at my mom's house, but they weren't home. I was home with the dog, and it was late at night. I was just trying to fall asleep with the dog in my bed, and he starts barking at the corner of the room. And I'm like, uh, okay. Then he starts jumping back in the bed like something was approaching him, and still barking and growling. I grabbed him and ran downstairs and sat in the kitchen until my parents got home. The dog would never go in my room again after that incident. Then later, at the same house, we had one of those old box TVs. The picture would stay on and the sound would turn off and the little red number would go away. It was fairly new, so we had a repair guy come out to the house to fix it. He got spooked by something and then just left. On his way out, he was like, sorry, can't fix it. No charge for the house call. Bye. Oh, wow. Okay. Bye. Just abruptly Uh fucking bounce. Creepy. Creepy. So we had to unplug it to turn it off. It started working normally years later, and then my radio and fan would also turn on by themselves randomly. Hmm. Now, in my current house, the door in the basement, even if you lock it, will be open when I go downstairs. But even worse than that, I also started seeing a ghost. When I was in a deep sleep, I saw a man standing right next to our bed with a red flannel shirt on, When I blinked, he was gone. But I didn't feel afraid though and fell asleep shortly after. Everyone knows that I'm crazy and I believe that I have a ghost buddy that has just been following me around (laughs) house to house. What is it with ghosts and their red flannel shirts? They just love them. Red flannel, it's a statement. It's timeless. You can always be wearing a red flannel. So ties. Get out your red flannels. <laughs> oh, gosh. This should be a new uh, tradition for creepy sodes. Every oh. creepy sode, put on your red flannel. Put on your flannels, Grab buddies. your burrito. Grab your burrito. We're getting creepy. We have another creepy tale from Kate, who says, Hello, my beautiful, creepy-ass people. Here's my spooky story. I'm not quite sure what category this would fall under, but I assure you, it freaked me out for a long-ass time. Mm, Freak me out, Kate. I love it. When I was a kid, mostly ages six-ish to nine-ish, I used to have the most terrifying night terrors, and they still haunt me to this day. I'm now 28, 
and I can still remember this dream like it happened five minutes ago. I remember the smells and sounds. I remember the sweat beating up on my forehead. I remember the panic and the way my heart sounded as if it would burst from my chest. It was not uncommon for me to go missing throughout the night after having one of these dreams. On more than one occasion, my mom would find me the next morning asleep hiding in our bathtub or under my bed back against the wall as far as I could. Other nights I would scream in my sleep, so bad my parents would come running into my room as if my life depended on it. Now, I have to give some backstory for this to set the scene. I was raised in a very religious family. I went to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. At the time of these night terrors, I was even going to school five days a week at this church. I practically lived there. Naturally, the drive to and from my childhood home and this church was nothing new. I knew the route like the back of my hand, even as a little kid. The drive was mostly one road the whole way. Just your typical country road, two lanes, 55 miles per hour, lots of twists and turns, surrounded by woods on both sides. This is where it would all take place. One night, I remember saying goodnight to my mom and climbing my badass into my daybed. <laughs> How 90s of me. It was a normal night. To be honest, looking back at it now, I can't remember anything that stands out. For years, I've tried to rationalize, think of something that maybe I saw that would have given me a nightmare, and every time I come up blank, I went to bed, fell asleep, and when I woke up the next day, a little bit of my childhood would be dead and buried. So here we go. And she goes, I'm going to try to not get freaked out when writing this. It was late on a Wednesday night. The cool fall air was crisp and hazy in the valleys of our drive. We've just finished with church and began to head home. My mom was driving and I was in the front seat beside her. I remember we talked about school the next day and when my dad would be coming home for the weekend. My dad was a long distance truck driver and only around on the weekends. The drive was going fine. We headed around the curves as the conversation had faded. I focused on the headlights bouncing off the road and watched the trees fly by with every bend. The road was wet, a few raindrops fell here and there, and was just enough to keep the windshield wipers buzzing back and forth. We reached the only straight stretch of the road when off in the distance I saw something. I wasn't sure at first what it was. The night was pitch black and the only thing you could see that night was the faint outline of what looked like a man ahead of where the headlights reached. I sat up a little straighter, tried to focus my eyes, and squinted for all I was worth. The car got closer, then closer. Then the end of the headlight brightened the figure and came into focus. It was a man, or so I thought. Wearing red flannel. <laughs> <laughs> I started to panic and told my mom that there was a man in the road. She told me she didn't see anything and that there wasn't anything in the road. At this point, I began screaming. There's a man in the road. You're going to hit him. My mom still saw nothing. We were right on top of him, the headlights showing the full figure, and it was not a man. It was something in a full-length black robe, holding a scythe, face hidden, no feet touching the road. It was just hovering, and even though I couldn't see its eyes, I felt it looking directly at me. The car was speeding towards it, and I was crying, screaming, and finally we were right on top of him. I braced for impact as my mom kept driving, like nothing was happening. After a second, when I didn't feel any impact, I looked up confused. I had tears streaming down my face, and I slowly opened my eyes, and there was nothing in front of the car. My mom was calm, and it was as if my hysterical episode had meant nothing. Or did it even happen? I looked at her driving calmly, when out of the corner of my eye, I saw something. 
Terrified, I turned to the back seat, praying to God it wasn't what my heart thought it could be. He was sitting in the back seat. I continued to have this night terror well over 20 times, and it was exactly the same. As soon as I would turn around to look at him, I would wake up right before he put his hands on me. Then, one day, it all just stopped. I never had another night terror, but to this day, it scares me down to my core. When I got older, I started looking into it to see if it meant anything when I came across a picture of the Grim Reaper, and it's identical to what I saw. It might seem stupid that it took me so long to figure out what it was, but I was never allowed to celebrate Halloween or have anything to do with witchcraft or otherwise creepy shit. There was no way I would have even known what the Grim Reaper was at that age, but he came for me in my dreams. That is terrifying. Scary. So scary. Was he wearing a red flannel? (laughs) Under his black robes and scythe. Just a farmer wearing a red flannel. Oh, yeah. He was in just a long black... Carhartt. (laughs) Carhartt. (laughs) Yeah, it's the Carhartt Reaper Flex. You know. But reoccurring nightmares that you have as a child are the fucking worst. Yeah. Cannot. Also, it's terrifying when children say that they see things. Mm -hmm. And when they say, like, creepy things, like... The man with no face is in my room again. And it's yeah, like, the moral of all these we're stories and children <laughs> is I feel like children are closest to that veil that like separates. You know what I mean? Does I f- that make sense? I feel like they don't have a predisposition of what you They're should so or should not see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so children are fucking scary. Yeah, hell yeah. That's it. Our next tale is from Ray. Picture it. It's 2010. I was 15, and it was a school night. <laughs> what? Sorry, that just reminded me of Golden Girls. <laughs> Picture it. Sicily. Shut 1912. Okay. <laughs> okay. Picture it. 2010. I was 15. It was a school night. Ever since paranormal activity shit came out, I had to sleep with a TV on. I just could not sleep in dead silence. In parentheses. Which was a good movie. So every time someone shut my TV off in the middle of the night, I would wake up about 15 minutes after and turn it back on to be able to go back to sleep. So my TV got shut off and 15 minutes later, I woke up to our beagle. His name was Winchester, but I like to call him Wonderbread. (laughs) (laughs) He was halfway into my bed, so I call him up and he jumps up onto the bed. Everything is normal. And then he stands at the foot of my bed and looks towards my door which was open because I can't sleep with it shut and he just starts whimpering. He stopped for a little and then would start up again. I looked towards my door and I didn't see anything but I got really freaked out so I shuffled my feet and nudged him to get him to stop and then when he stopped he would just two minutes later start doing it again. Hmm. So I grabbed my blanket, put it over my head, and did a full sprint into my parents room across the hall and hurried up and jumped into bed with my mom. By this point in the night, my youngest sister was sleeping in my mom's bed too. So if you're looking at it from the foot of the bed, my mom is on the right side on the edge and my sister is in the middle. I'm off on the left side on the edge. My mom always had her TV on when she slept too. So I was watching TV for a little bit when I hear a gasp for breath in my ear. So I threw my covers over my head, curled up in a ball and fell asleep like that until the next morning. And that was that. Nothing ever happened like that ever again. That's creepy. Do they need an inhaler? Are they asthmatic? Is it allergy season? (laughs) Back in 2010, I'm picturing it. (laughs) 
Our next creepy story is titled Friend, Foe, Family, A Demon. Take your pick. Hello, fellow Buritai family. Big, big fan, and I absolutely love the podcast and both of your energies. I can't get enough of you two. Aww. Aww. Thanks. Okay, I'm going to tell you a little story, all true, of course. Ready to get lost in this sauce? Hell yeah. We want to deep dive in your spicy sauce. Okay, so slight creepy history. Even as a young child, I've always felt a connection to the spirit world. But what kid hasn't had at least a connection, right? But as a young child, the dark was always an illusion. It showed fear. Figures you'd think you'd saw to frighten you. As that dark illusion followed me, as I grew, so did my connection or sense or sight. When I was about five or six, I would say, my dad and uncle worked for a garbage company. My uncle and some other co-workers were meeting after a long shift to watch the football game. Before they clocked out for the day, they decided it would be oh so cool to race to the end of the road. Sounded like a good idea at the time, until the end. I can't tell you who came close to winning, but unfortunately, if you didn't guess the outcome, there was a crash, and unfortunately, my uncle was the driver. My uncle was a great man, if you couldn't tell, he had a very free spirit, and just enjoyed every second of every day he lived. When the crash happened, the truck caught fire, and the friends and co-workers around him acted quickly. I was so young at the time, I couldn't see him in the hospital. I found out when I was older, it was because he had burns all over his body and was wrapped in bandages. When he passed, I didn't fully understand what had happened, but shortly after his passing, I developed night terrors. I would dream of a man wrapped in bandages, wearing a dusty tuxedo with eyes the color of flames. He frightened me, but always felt familiar. I never assumed he would hurt me. I would be dreaming, and while I dreamt, I would see myself, and I would see him. He would stand by my bed while I slept, sometimes sit at the end of my bed, just watching. And as a young child, I waited for him to strike. All I could see were those eyes and the reflection outlining the bandage wrapped around him, outlining the neck of his tuxedo. And in my dreams, if we ever made eye contact, I could see the smoke and ash drifting from his body. I had these reoccurring dreams often throughout my childhood. When I was a teenager and old enough to understand what actually happened, all I could think about were those eyes of flames and the man wrapped in bandages who had visited me in my dreams. It then occurred to me that this man that had visited me had to be my uncle, and he was protecting me from the dark illusion that terrified me in the night. I assumed I imagined him the way that I did in my dreams because I knew there was a crash and a fire and that we went to the funeral and it was for him. He had the eyes of fire from like a reflection you would get from a campfire, the bandages because every person regardless of what age knows what happens when you get burned, and the tuxedo because we were at the funeral. Learning this through my life, I definitely feel more of a connection to the spirit world, and I know that it was my uncle or possession of him. Whether he was protecting me from the dark or bringing me in closer, I have yet to figure out. I still see those eyes of fire in my dreams to this day. So that is my creepy tale. I take it as a guardian angel or a figure of the night bringing me closer into the unknown of what darkness can truly show you, an illusion or unknown reality. Take your pick. I hope you enjoyed my creepy story. Feel free to cut this short because I know I dragged on. 
I love and respect both of you, beautiful angels, and appreciate what you do for this creepy community. Keep doing you, and keep it saucy. Keep losing us in that sauce. Happy Halloween, you creepy fucks. Oh my god. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So that is terrifying. But also kind of... uh, Comforting? Terrifyingly uh, comfortable? Yeah. I am terrified, but slightly at ease. Slimy, yet satisfying. (laughs) Is that from The Lion King? Sure is. Is that what we're doing? the second Lion King pun of this episode. But... I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed I, that. I love that That a was lot. a good one. That was a great one. Moving on to Brad's haunted apartment. When I was a wee lad, growing up in our apartment, I had interactions with two different ghosts. Although the first ghost I don't recall as much, which is really odd to me because that's the one my mother and father told me I talked to every day right before bed. When my mother asked me what this ghost looked like, because I could only imagine how she felt about her son talking to someone that she may believe was not even there, I gave him the same image as my grandmother, who was my father's mother, who had passed away before I was even born. Also, note, I have not seen a picture of this woman prior. I was only maybe three or four years old at this time. I remember playing upstairs, sitting down right before the stairs led into my parents' room, when I was pushed, which rolled me down the stairs. If you could picture the stairs, it had a corner to it, so there was about like six or seven stairs, then a small platform, and then curved down to three or more stairs. I went down back first, but managed to grab the support beam that connected to the top railing, which I was even tall enough to grab at the time. And I was screaming for my dad because I could see him watching golf on TV, and he said he would be right there. He didn't take his eyes off the screen, and didn't see me almost completely upside down at the time, or I'm sure he would have made a better effort to come and get me. My mother was in the shower and just turned off the water when she heard me screaming. My dad finally looked over and started getting up when the ghost I described as my grandmother grabbed my shoulder and brought me back to the top step. I was alright, then had my conversation which was probably gibberish to my parents, but my father was in disbelief that in a matter of a second I managed to get myself from the four step completely turned upside down to the very top near the bedroom that I was playing by. And this has been going on for years now, and looking back I'm sure that my parents were getting pretty worried about my mental health, talking to someone that they couldn't see or hear. I would tell my dad that this entity would always say that she misses him or that she's proud of him. My friend would always talk to me before bed and when I woke up during the night, she would be there still. Our apartment was connected to another apartment and there was another kid that lived there by the name of Chris and we would hang out pretty much every day. One time Chris knocked at the door as I was talking to this woman and she looked over her shoulder and said, Chris is here, go have fun. That same night, around 4 or 5, right after dinner, my mom gave me a haircut and told me to go into the bathroom to take a look at it. I ran into the bathroom, which could be mistaken as a closet near the living room downstairs. When I looked into the mirror, I didn't see myself. What I saw was the most horrifying thing I've ever seen, even to this day. And I remember like it happened yesterday, because it literally scared the hell out of me. My exact description, without exaggerating it, would be a woman who had burnt, cracked skin, wide open eyes as if her eyelids were scorched off, with dark black patchy hair. She was looking straight at me. I was not in the mirror, but she was staring down at me with the most evil looking smile. A smile where her top lip was completely straight, but her bottom lip came down and sucked in. I immediately started screaming in fear. 
How the apartment was laid out, when you walk through the front door, you would be in the living room, and if you continued to go straight from the front door, you would be in the kitchen, and the bathroom was right in between the front door and the kitchen. So, it would have only taken my mother a few seconds to respond. This is when the bathroom door that I just barely had cracked flung open so hard that the doorknob punched a hole right into the bathroom wall. And this woman that I talk to every day came running in with so much force that she had completely taken this evil thing out of the mirror and I could finally see myself. My mother heard the door slam open and she seemed pretty ticked off that there was a hole in the wall, but she knew deep down inside that I didn't have the strength to be able to cause that much damage. But since I was the only person in the room at the time, it's only logical to blame me. It was a few weeks after that incident when my dad accepted a new job and decided to relocate. And we would actually have our own house and not an apartment anymore. I haven't seen this woman since the bathroom incident and I was extremely upset thinking that I lost my friend who had kept me safe for years. I didn't want to leave the apartment. I didn't want to leave her behind. I didn't want to leave Chris behind. But they sat me in the car and we took off. I looked back at the apartment from the white minivan as we were pulling away. Looking into the open window, it was just empty. No goodbye wave or typical Hollywood movie, ghosts just standing there all creepy-like. Once we got settled into the new home, about a week later, my mother told me I started speaking to this woman again, but only for two nights. The second night, my mother heard me saying, goodbye, and I love you. The next morning, my mother asked me as she was making breakfast if the woman came back to visit us in our new house, as if she was playing along with my imaginary friend. She said she heard me talking to her last night and heard me say goodbye. I told my mother that the lady said she's ready to go home now, and that I would be safe here and if I ever needed her, I would know where to find her. And that was it. Never again have I seen this woman, and I can only think when she said, you ever need me, you know where to find me. She would be resting in that haunted apartment. My dad's mother had no reason to reside at the apartment since she wasn't around to ever see it. So if it was her, I don't know why she would go there, but I'm 29 now and I haven't returned, so maybe I should one day. I talked to my mother about this a few years ago as an adult, and she told me stories about how when I was a baby, I would never sleep through the night when we lived in that apartment. And when I got old enough to talk, I would just cry about seeing an old lady that would scare me throughout the night. And other random stories and things that had happened when we lived there in the apartment that made her believe that someone else was there with us. One day, when she was walking upstairs at the apartment, she saw this figure standing over my bedside talking to me. And when she flipped on the light switch, she said the figure just vanished. And she remembered another incident where my dad even said that he saw a lady figure come from upstairs, down past him, through the living room, and off into the kitchen. Initially, he thought it was just my mom, but when he rushed upstairs to only find my mom asleep in bed. When I asked my father, he had nothing to say about it. A few things that happened just didn't make sense, but he didn't have an open mind to grasp something like this was happening every day under the same roof. Also... Another terrifyingly soothing ghost story? Yeah. Protector? Comfortably terrifying. You should definitely go back to the apartment if you can. Go. Let I, us know how it goes. Yeah, I think that'd be crazy. Maybe your friend's still waiting for you there, Brad. Go see her. Visit her. And hopefully you don't run into that second terrifying ghost. Ask them if they like burritos. Offer them a burrito. Mmm, a burrito offering. <gasps> Ooh. 
Or a red flannel offering. <laughs> a burrito wrapped in a red flannel. And our last and final creepy story comes from Kayla. So just to set the scene, when I was a kid, I used to have nightmares about the Chucky doll because my parents let me watch the movie. After watching the movie, I was laying in bed all creeped out. Some of my blanket was on the floor and it felt like someone was pulling it down and tugging on it. We didn't have any animals and it wasn't caught on anything. After that, it felt like someone was walking back and forth, back and forth, holding the blanket down. When I rolled over, it stopped and I got up to turn on the light. No one was in the room. My blanket wasn't caught on anything and there were no animals in the room and my door was shut. So like, what the fuck? <laughs> Is the Chucky doll actually walking around? One night, I also saw what looked like a lady sitting on my piano bench thing praying. All I could see was her outline, and I thought to myself, why is my mom praying in my room at 3 a.m. alone in the dark? I said, Mom? And before I got a response, I immediately fell asleep. Like something had put me out cold. I tried to ask my mom about it the next morning, but she had no idea what I was talking about. She was like, what the actual fuck? And then there was this other time when I had to go into the basement from the outside doors to get my rabbit food to feed my rabbit, obviously. So I'm standing in the doorway grabbing some food when I hear my name from inside of the basement. And it was in a really weird, non-human voice. I looked up and I saw a weird, tall man shadow behind the washing machine. It was in a spot that a shadow couldn't even be in if the sun was shining on me to cast my own shadow or in the window to cast a shadow. I looked up and was staring at this thing like what in the actual real fuck? <laughs> I kept hearing my name and was staring at the shadow and it freaked me out so much that I ran to my mom who was outside gardening and she called the neighbor to help check and see if anyone was in the basement. And of course there wasn't. So Kayla, what you are trying to tell us here, which has been a reoccurring theme, children are creepy as fuck. Yeah. Well, guys, you did not disappoint us with your stories. So many creepy stories. Turns out you guys are a bunch of creepy fucks, and we love ya. We love ya so much. If you love these creepy stories as much as we do, let us know. And you know where you can tell us about that? At thecreepyburrito at gmail.com. Or you can message us on Facebook or Instagram. Let us know your feelings or your creepy stories because we might do this again. Maybe. Maybe. Antissa, you can always leave us a sweet ass <laughs> review on iTunes, Stitcher, Podchaser, CastBox, or rate us on your streaming apps. Patient. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad that you picked that up. <laughs> Until next week. Same creepy time, same creepy channel. Stay saucy. And on that note, a bye bye. Shit to show. Shit to show. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we're gonna be trash. Yikes! Oh yikes! Oh yikes! <laughs>